Hello and welcome to Northwestify, the podcast where we talk tech and business in the Northwest. Today's no exception. We have Amul Batra coming to us from North Coders, the Chief Operating Officer there. Hello, Amul. How are you doing? Hi, John. Hi, Zach. I'm doing well. How are you both doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Can we just start off maybe, Amul, by telling us what is North Coders? So North Coders started life as a coding boot camp back in 2015, 2016. And essentially, the, what a coding boot camp does, it takes people who don't have a background in code and turns them into coders over a 13-week course. That's what our flavour of it was. We were the first uh, coding boot camp in the north of England. I've been told we are the biggest coding boot camp in the country, or certainly in terms of the numbers that we do every year. But... Beyond that, um, so we, over the last six and a half years, have trained over 1,500 people to become software engineers in that 13-week period, and 94% of them go on and get jobs, and we've got about 400 hiring partners that they go on and get jobs to, and then they don't um, stay junior or entry-level for very long, and we've got people who are running departments, companies, engineering leads all that kind of thing so in a nutshell that's what it is but there's a lot more to yeah and we definitely want to dig into that i've um lots of questions about the boot camps you know you and i've met before and chatted boot camps on a few occasions so tell me about like yourself and like how did you get into this role were you are you a techie uh no i'm not and i guess kind of how i got into it is kind of how most people get into software these days or certainly the ones that, that, that come to north coders so i spent most of my professional career or most of my adult life working in the music industry i used to have a label in manchester um i'm still actually a, a small shareholder in said label but it doesn't put out any records anymore i have managed bands uh I have my own company doing that i've worked in publishing i've worked on the live sector and Ultimately, what happened was I um, had done very well out of music, but I'd had my first child, my first son, and I wanted to, I kind of discovered the sharing economy. I discovered tech, I discovered the power of kind of startup tech culture and how you could sort of start growing a business using tech. And so I was just coming out of music. I was just closing down kind of my music ventures and was starting to look to find a technical co-founder for one of my startup ideas. And one of my friends who was running a successful prop tech startup in London said, Amal, why don't you learn how to code? And I said, don't be so stupid. I'm 40 this year. There's absolutely no way I can pick up a new hard skill like coding at this juncture in life. And he was like, well, have a think about it. And so I was doing some research on the business the startup idea that I had and I was getting a little bit frustrated with 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 not being able to find anyone to kind of be the technical person not that I really knew what the technical person did um and I just ended up randomly looking for an event looking looking at kind of learning to code in Manchester and I couldn't find anything so this is back in 2016 but I ended up on a web page um called CodeUp and what it was, it was a monthly meetup for people who were trying to become developers. And I just randomly went to it that night. It was on that night, which was random. Got there, couldn't get into the building. It was um, a co-computer love, so at Sevendale House. And the building was shut. And I was like, I was just about to give up and go home when I realised that you had to walk through the underground car park 
to use their goods lift to get in after hours. And I got in and at the end of me getting in, I heard this guy do a talk about how they were setting up. He was setting up a coding bootcamp in Manchester. The first cohort was in a few weeks and, and to come and chat to him at the, if we had any questions. And I was like, look, spoke to Chris, my now business partner. I said, look, I have no idea what coding is. I am setting up a, a tech startup. You know, tell me about it. He goes, well, come and do our course and we'll, we'll see if we can maybe in project phase help you build that tech startup. And I was like, okay, this sounds really interesting. I like the idea of being in at the start of something. I have no idea what a line of code looks like. Um, but he said, look, here's some stuff. Go away, look at it. See if um, see if you like it, you know, what is now our intro introduction pack. And if you get through all of that stuff and do some reading, you'll have to sit like an entry challenge to prove to us that you can do it and to prove to yourself that it's something you're interested in. And if you do that, you know, we'll get you on the first course. And that's kind of where my involvement with North Coda started. So I didn't found the business, but I've been there since before it ran its, its first boot camp. I did those materials. I failed the entry challenge and I got given the code. And so look, this is what you, we need to get you to, to go and figure out why. And we'll do another entry challenge. It was actually the Saturday before the Monday, but you know, they were a brand new company. They only had nine people signed up at that moment in time. I went away, sort of got it, committed it to memory, passed the entry challenge and started the course. So this was like April, 2016, there were 10 of us. And uh, everyone else knew what they were doing and I didn't. And so I was kind of like being pulled. I was literally being pulled through the course, but it was really hard. It was literally the most mentally challenging thing I've ever done. I've done some quite hard things in my life. And that was by far and away, you know, layering on concept after concept, day after day, week after week. And if you don't get it at the beginning, and if you haven't got that proper foundation, then you are going to struggle. And I struggled. But one of the two founders lived in Chorlton, which is where I live. And we ended up sharing lifts in and out most days. And what I do, whenever I see any business, I get, I just ask myself a million questions about how that business is run, what what the opportunity is, how it makes money, where, you know, just, just my natural inclination in life, I've always done that. And I was like, wow, there is something really special about this business because not only is there a huge problem with finding coders and for my particular need at that moment, technical co-founders, um, but actually, what North Coders are doing is they've got a really good method of getting people up to the skills required by industry. Um, on that cohort, there were 10 of us. There were four women, and all four women were given fully funded scholarships because they recognised the need for diversity and to get more people from not just women, but, you know, their first um, their first nod to diversity was making sure that women didn't pay for the course, even though they were a startup and they didn't have the cash to be able to do that they knew they needed to make them the mark they also said to everybody on the course if you are intending to get a job then you don't need to pay us until you get a job and if we don't get your job in a certain amount of time you don't need to pay us at all the idea is like a guarantee because they knew that they they'd come to manchester but neither of them were from manchester or knew the ecosystem but they knew they had to do something to prove that actually North coders would work, the coding boot camps would work. And I was like, you know what, this is brilliant. And at the time, it was just the two guys, and they didn't really have anyone from a management perspective helping them. They were like, okay, you've got a couple of options. We were talking about the business anyway. Do the course again, because you've not quite got it. 
or get involved in the business side. We need someone on that MD level, on that kind of level, helping us do the course, talking to business, doing all the stuff that you're good at naturally. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know what? All of that money I was going to put in, I had seed money for a startup. Why don't I invest that in North Coders instead of sort of becoming a coder? Because it was clear to me that that wasn't the direction I was going to travel in. So that's how it started, really. So it really was. If I hadn't got into that building on that particular day, my involvement in North Coders would have never happened. And, and you know, since then I've been involved and we've driven the company from two to three employees. And I think we're just shy of 100 now, six and a half years later. Great story. And what I really like about it is that you've, you know, you feels like you've got into a business that you can really believe in. You know, you're talking about that, the diversity from the beginning and that, that you know, that the business recognized that that had to happen for this to be a part of the successful Manchester-based business. So, you know, I was really, yeah, really, really interesting and interesting to see how, I guess, the timing in your life as well is really interesting, right? You just finished your, all your music stuff and then you're coming into this pretty you know i my question was are you attacking you saying no i'm not and you've done the course what twice now <laughs> <laughs> i did but no. i did the course yeah no i did the course it, i mean i have to have incredibly technical conversations with people now so i understand technology i could probably read code if i needed to i can certainly i certainly know what code does and you know you and i talked and had a pretty technical conversation you know i i, I now you know i Although I'm chief operating officer, I'm still the person that, that kind of does the high level business development conversations within North Coders. And we don't just place grads anymore. We have consultants at companies like um, Rolls-Royce and EMAC and a bunch of others. And so, and obviously we do a lot of our own internal development as well. So I have to be very technically up to speed. Um, so although I don't, I don't code, I, I understand technology. Yeah, which is great. And I mean, obviously a fantastic... I mean, I have, I have a lot of positive things to say about um, boot camps. You know, you as I said in the past, you and I have chatted before. I think it's, it's a great, it's in a great space. I think it it fills a gap and um, a need in in both the the market where people are coming out of either education or you know university degrees or whatever, um, looking to get on the ladder, knowing they have the the um, the capability to do it, but needing needing that extra push and that, you know, the bootcamp basically brings brings them into the market. I just got one quick question then. You talked about uh, tech co-founders, just about you looking for your own. Do you find a lot of your, uh, you call them graduates, come out going into that? Is that something that they naturally go into or? No, they're not ready from a problem solving perspective to do that. I don't know if it, I mean, we might do now, I'm certainly not in touch with any of them. I, you know, I sort of know what a lot of them are up to. Um, like I bumped into one of our one of our grads from three and a half years ago, who's now going into a tech lead role at, at Money Supermarket, um, reporting straight into one of their heads of engineering. Um, so, do you know what I mean? They move quickly yeah. because of what we do on the boot camp. But in terms of actually going to become an entrepreneur, they need some. They definitely need to have seen what the real world looks like. We can prepare people to do very well in 13 weeks. You can't inject that kind of business experience into people straight away. Uh, I love the fact that you've, where you've come from to, to, to where you are now. Uh, and it just shows you for anybody that's listening, 
you know, you can always retrain, can't you, at any point in your life. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I took from that. Um, would you say that there's an element of luck to this? Because obviously it was something completely random. You thought that's interesting. And then, you know, you've got the seed money to do something else and all of a sudden you came across it. It's a well-documented um, conversation that we have for, for many, many years across uh, whether that be tech or whether that be engineering or any sort of high-skilled labour market. We've just not got enough skills out there, um, you know, and, and, and we're never going to either because, unfortunately, whether it's uh, B. Rolls-Royce, I think you alluded to them earlier on, who've got great graduate programmes or great student programmes generally, we just can't get three people through quick enough. So was the element of, of, of luck to it? you know, that you came along at the right time. We've got Manchester booming as well from a tech perspective. Software development is just, you know, I mean, who doesn't want a software developer still now? Yeah. So for me personally, my, I, I, mean, I mean, I believe in serendipity and 100%, if I hadn't found my way into that building, I'd have not got involved in North Coast. And I, and I know that. And I've been, I've, you know, Luck's followed me around all my life and I'll never ever pretend that it's designed. Do you know what I mean? I'll do what I can to put myself in the right place. In terms of the timing for North Coders, I think North Coders would have happened. Um, I think first mover advantage of being up north doing this. But then the two guys who founded North Coders, only one of them still with us now, um, they met at one of Makers' first cohorts in London. And they got together at that moment in time, said, wouldn't it be great to do this up north one day for like the northern tech ecosystem and the northern uh, economy? Um, being two northerners, meeting in London, obviously they had to go away and have careers. And one of them, so Chris ended up working at Sky and Skybet in Leeds. And he could see what was happening, right? He could see from his first-hand experience that Sky were hoovering up a load of the, the, the local talent. They were leaving the businesses around them with a bit of a vacuum. All of the people that were coming in were white, male, and middle class, could have gone to university, had only learned the computer way, the computer science way. And he was training those people up because they weren't coming out with the skills that he got after the in-week boot camp in London. So, yes, there's luck, but actually the fact he'd been to Makers, the fact he was working up up in, in, in the north, the fact that he was 100% like in the midst of the problem that you've just described, Zach, he could see it firsthand and he knew that we needed to do something about diversity. We needed to do something about getting people in quickly. He'd been on that kind of course before. So, you know, 100%, it had to be about, um, yeah, it wasn't complete luck. It was it was a, a road in that direction. Totally. And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't, you know, you make your own luck in life, don't you? I don't mean it in, in the respect of, you know, you just got luck in the respect of, you know, it, it just happens that yeah, at that time in your life when that, you know everything aligned, didn't it? All the stars yeah. aligned, and and actually, it's it's probably a really actually it's a it's a fascinating time because I opened our business in 2016, and again we went down the whole route of what do you do? You know, I've been in recruitment for for years and years and years, uh, grown and scaled a, another recruitment agency from pretty much five or six of us at the start, 140 people across the UK different divisions, different departments, et cetera, and, and, and left and thought, I'll try something different. A lot of my friends were going and choosing one skill set and going global. And I was like, actually, I'm a northerner, I'm a mank lad, I'm born and brought up here, I'm just going to do everything within this region. And it was probably, 
you know, anyone that's been born and brought up in Manchester can can categorically say it's the city is unrecognisable compared to even probably 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, certainly. Um, and we didn't quite want to go down that route. So we thought, oh, we'll go for the Northwest. And again, we, we got lucky because actually the tech boom in Manchester and the Northwest has been absolutely incredible over the past five or six years, hasn't it? I mean, you know, arguably since the BBC came up and everybody else started flowing in. I think we always had, and I said this, I had some friends up from the South actually this weekend, and um, I said to them, I think the reason that Manchester is is where it is today and probably the, the darling of the North, that is because we've got an international airport on our doorstep. And I think that's what really helps that driving of the economy and the tech scene within our area. I've been a resident of Manchester since 1994, so nearly 30 years now. So I'm a Londoner originally. And I lived in London uh, a little bit during that period. So most most of that period has been up here. And, you know, as much as I hate that crass phrase, Manchester does things differently. It's so easy to get business done here. If you've got an idea and a desire, you can make it happen. Whereas when I was back in London for the music industry, it's so hard. There's so many obstacles. There's so many people not willing you to do well. Whereas I know the two successful businesses that I've been part of really have been, we've just cracked on with it and done it. You know, the, the label had top 15 record within sort of 15 months just because we were just two people working, three people working in a broom cupboard above Sankey. So, do you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. and you know, we the label went on to have a number one record and to be really successful. That's because we just believed we could make it happen, and we did. And that's the same with North Coast for me. It's doing it in Manchester or, or growing it out of Manchester was so important because everyone's kind of either on your side or just willing to listen to you. And that certainly doesn't exist in my experience of, of, of London and other cities have got great collaborative and I've, I've had to learn and I've really enjoyed getting to know places like Leeds and Newcastle and Birmingham where we've got hubs and campuses now. Um, and they've all got their own, own unique culture. Liverpool as well has got its own unique culture and it's really bizarre how we are such a small co- country and yet we do have really different business cultures in each, each of those cities I've just mentioned. So, sorry, but I'm a big believer in starting things in Manchester that 100%. Yeah, and I- actually almost a bit of a joke but that's kind of why the podcast exists right because we're willing people to do better we're trying to help people in this region bring them on showcase their business showcase them as well and and you know raise awareness because that's the kind of culture that exists around here if you like um so i'm I'm pleased about that yeah and i think going back to the point now i think you know london and people forget it, it is so big it is so vast it is so huge and you've got lots of stuff going on in manchester and you know like i said because it's so unrecognizable there's so many different areas you can go out in now if people come up and stuff like that actually still people all know each other in or a lot of people still know each other in manchester i think that's one of the big differences that you get with with say well london compared to anywhere else in the uk but certainly manchester somebody will know somebody who knows somebody within within the region i think that's that always helps uh, dramatically I've um, so I've got another question then about something that we've talked about on this show Zach before which is around education in general right so the how the national curriculum universities are or are not preparing the next generation and clearly North Coders is filling a need in the industry to help make more coders um, but it's also filling a gap in our education because you know what you're saying about Sky there that 
people are coming out with a computer science degree, not necessarily correctly prepared for the market. Um, what what do you think we need to be doing in our schools and our universities to better prepare them for this um, this this economy? So there's sort of two questions there, really, because schools and universities are completely different. So I'll, I'll go for the universities one first. And the problem with a four-year computer science degree is that the curriculum's written five or six years ago, right? And we all know that technology moves on really quickly. I think there was a Deloitte study a couple of years ago which said that the average life for a new technology is about two and a half years in tech. And so... Yeah, you can't have a degree that's written four, year, four, five, six years ago that can keep up with the trends in software. So I think that I think that's really tough. You don't need to go as as we have proved time and time again with you know over fifteen hundred people now. You don't need to go to university to become a technologist. And you know the background of the people that have done North Coders could be as wide range is as wide ranging as people who've been you know, traditional engineers, lawyers, accountants, rec- lots of people from recruitment um, who have seen North Coders on, on CVs, they're being sent and going, you know what, I, I kind of want to do that rather than this. And um, so yeah, we always have people from from recruitment and tech recruitment doing North Coders. To people who have been stay-at-home mums or, or Uber drivers or delivery cyclists or, or, you know, worked in retail all their lives or forklift drivers or... You know, my two favourites, I always wheel out whenever I tell people about the difference in background of the people that have done North Coders are the farmer, who's now a data engineer, or the uh, station announcer from Piccadilly Station, who, you know, is a software engineer. You know, it takes all sorts. You know, I think we've got a running joke that we've we've taught a farmer to become a technologist, and we've also put in software engineers to a dairy farm. You know, everyone needs technology and anyone can do it. That's the whole point of, of kind of North Coders. So sorry to answer your question, John. So what we're doing is we're basically giving people up-to-date skills that the industry needs. And obviously, you know, we talk to our hiring partners all the time about what they need from a skills point of view to, for those technologists to be successful. And yeah, lots of universities are now jumping on the boot camp bandwagon. Some of them are using some American delivery company to do it. And it's just so half um, asked. Sorry, can I say that word? Do you know what I mean? It's just not well thought out. It's like we're just doing this because, um, you know, we know what we do is is best practice first and everything we do. And therefore, you know, we don't accept you know, it's about one in ten people who apply to North Coders that get onto North Coders, and we want to make it so that we're not taking the wrong people through the journey, because it is absolutely about people who get it and like it and enjoy it, and then do well at it, rather than just taking people's money, um, which is just never it's never been about that for us. But ultimately, you know, it's giving people those up to date skills. It's making sure that people are completely ready for what the industry needs you know our big thing is we don't teach people to code we teach people to teach themselves to code so by the end of the course they're coding in different things than we taught them and when they go into work they can pick up whatever text that they need really quickly and then excel really quickly on whatever it is that that business is doing so ultimately you know we'd like to think that we are supporting the ecosystem we're bringing people back who have gone into different careers you know university comp sign needs to do what it does from an academic point of view um, from a stem point of view you know i wouldn't ever knock great graduates from 
those courses, right? And and at age 18, going to university is a brilliant career, a brilliant life choice and career choice. It certainly was for me when I when I came to Manchester, you know, that's why that's why I moved here. So, you know, I wouldn't advise universities just to copy code and boot camps because that's the way it's, it's going. Maybe introduce some more up-to-date ways of, of, of coding, bring in TDD to your courses, bring in GitHub to your courses, which, you know, seems like absolute, like, can't believe anyone's doing any kind of computer courses without GitHub or knowing what version control looks like. And at a school level, I've heard, I've never seen it, that the GCSE for computer science is not fit for purpose. So to really look at that, and I think they are with T-levels and stuff, I'm not an expert on that stuff. But the bigger thing they need to be doing at schools, which I do think they are doing at schools now, as far as I can see, is just not to make it so boys do tech and girls do whatever, you know, like it it needs to be appealing to everybody and not just pigeonholed as a, as a blokey thing. Um, you know, I'm involved, I'm on the advisory board for Innovate Her and their strap line is getting girls ready for tech, but getting the tech industry ready for girls. Um, and, you know, there's a lot that we could do in tech to make it more welcoming and make retention better and make career pathways better. Um, but also making sure that, you know, girls want to do tech as a career. I'm also on the advisory board for, for WILD, which is Women in Leeds Digital. And again, with things like that, just making sure that that the industry is both attracting a diverse set of people to it, but also the industry can, you know, be involved in best practice stuff to, to be appealing for a diverse group of, of people. Because as you said, Zach, we're never going to totally solve this. But if we aren't appealing to everybody to get into it, you know, this tech talent shortage, then we're even less going to succeed in in, the, in that battle. But the other thing, I mean, we've said it before, obviously, very we're very software development folks today, but there are dozens of jobs in tech that are not software development that are really interesting and exciting and diverse, you know, lots of creative and project management and design, product ownership. You know, you don't have to be software engineers to be working in tech. Absolutely not. And, you know, I work in a tech business, the 700 people in the business, about 150 on the tech side, but everyone's in it. Everyone in that business really is in a tech business doing something to do with technology and learning the software, using it, promoting it, selling it. They're all part of the same ecosystem that, you know, bring brings it all to life. Um, so I think that's worth that's worth calling out. And that's something is something I personally forget sometimes to mention that, you know, when we've been reminded on the show. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth calling out for any listeners. I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction. I'm all, I'd like to know a little bit more about what sort of um, advice you would have for employers maybe on attracting tech talent or, or junior developers. And you know, the guys that you bring through, you know, why should they be looking at taking them on? What's better? Is it a startup? Is it a large-scale business? What works? So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so... Because we are as tech agnostic as we can be, right? Um, and because we have such a large range of different people doing our course, we have to be appealing to lots of different companies to satisfy their wide uh, ranging needs, you know, the, the graduates' wide ranging needs. So I think, so for any company, the, the things you get out of someone that's done North Coders is that A, they're there, they're kind of self-motivated because they've had to get onto the course they've had to prove that they're right for the course and then they've got a 
do what I suggest, what I said earlier on, is get through something that's so mentally challenging. They get to the end and we've got a 97% completion rate at the moment. And when it was self-funded, it was 99%. So we have lost a couple of percent on the fact that now it's pretty much government funded for the time being, at least anyway. But the only reason we can maintain those stats is because there is a one in 10 application to getting on the course rates. These people have proved themselves. They've got on the course, they've proved they like tech, They've got through the course and it's really hard. It's probably harder now than when I did it. So these people are self-motivated. They're quick learners and they're forced to be quick learners because we're teaching them what could be learned in three years in, in 13 weeks in a way that helps them then absorb new technologies quickly. So these people won't stay junior for very long and they can pick up any tech stack. And so one of the things that we do at talking at North Coders to people coming towards the end of the course is we kind of explain what the tech landscape looks like. We tell them the difference between what a startup is, a scale-up is, what working for uh, an enterprise, you know, a corporation looks like, or what working for an agency look, what looks like, consultancy, government departments. We kind of break it into those six different types of organisation you can join after North Coders. And so we have representation amongst our 400 business partners amongst all of those different businesses. And, you know, we don't charge... We, you know, for us, we make it as frictionless as possible for any business to work with North Coders. So there isn't like a recruitment fee or anything like that. We had one at, at one stage, but we've not for three and a half years um, as our business model has evolved and our numbers have evolved. So anyone business who needs software engineers come to North Coders, look at our talent pool and go, right, okay, yeah, we'll interview them, we'll take them on and, and we'll give them the right support to become mid and senior level engineers really quickly but what our business is evolving into is having a complete suite of business solutions so yes companies can come and hire people from our graduate pool absolutely and we'll support them doing that and um, we can enhance their journeys once they're in work with particular courses or modules or, or whatever um, and then we've got you know a mobilized option whereby we can provide teams of, of, of people as, as kind of contractors while supporting them the most interesting thing we're doing at the moment is that one of the, the contracts with Rolls-Royce I mentioned is we actually put up a team of junior developers, one of our senior developers, and the senior will stay between six and nine months to only upskill those juniors, to get them really ramped up to be delivering technology for, say, Rolls-Royce or Emac, a couple of contracts we've got going on at the moment, to just be the best so we already know they can move very quickly, but with the with the support of one senior uh, for a team of four to six juniors, they're then excelling beyond belief. And so the, our senior will come back to us and then the um, the team of juniors will stay there and they won't really be juniors by the time our seniors come out. So for us, what we've done over a number of years is prove that how we, you know, the people that we train are, are suitable for lots of different businesses. But B, we prove that they can move very quickly and with the right support that we can give them, they can really provide value really, really fast to businesses. And ultimately, I see the, the skills gap is shifting from being something that, yeah, we need lots of mids and seniors to actually we've got an army of juniors that are capable. How quickly can we get them into that? into that position you know and as you'll know zach the market's crazy and what salary you pay for a senior now you're struggling to get mids into businesses and i know i'm not talking out of terms i know i know what it looks like you know we we'll speak to business all the time 
And for businesses not to have a really well thought out junior hiring strategy, ones that can get people very quickly and fill in those mid-level roles are the ones that are going to lose out ultimately, in my opinion. And just that, I mean, because obviously, yeah, like you say, you know the market well, I know the market well, and we see, I see a blended approach in this where you get some companies that are, yeah, great, and then they get the others like, no, no way. And um, why do you think those companies are no way? What do you think it that holds them off? Because, you know, even my in my own business, that's all that's 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 all I do. I just I don't very occasionally if I know somebody well within the industry, then I would bring them into our business. But ultimately we just bring our own in and grow them and train them and take them through. It takes us a long time to get people to where we want to get them to. You can get them going quite quickly, but to get them to where we want them to get to even though I still believe a lot of it comes down to their own attitude at the end of the day. I think everyone can go as fast as they want, depending on their attitude. Um, so what is it that you see that those companies go, no, 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 no. For any business not to do this, they really, at, at this moment in time when mids and seniors are so scarce, I think they really aren't in business for the right reasons or right, the right commercial reasons. They don't understand. For me, you know, you could say... Let's keep our graduate scheme. Let's get so we we now work with NHS Digital, for example, and we run an onboarding bootcamp for them. So we've got an academy side to what we do. Um, and we do this with with a couple of other businesses as well. We've worked with on the beach doing stuff like this before. And so we're giving their graduate recruits an onboarding a boot camp experience before they start. So we can do stuff like that. But for me, if you're not looking at building that throughput and putting some um putting some investment in that group you aren't going to get burned and you know it's that whole thing the one argument we always get oh, is we don't have enough seniors to deal with your juniors and actually our seniors are so busy on business as usual stuff that we can't really offer that support and that's why we designed developer incubator which is what we've got is is to go actually our person will deal with all of the stuff they need to get to she don't have to worry about it anymore yes it's there is a cost attached to that but We've proven time and time again that we can take people into businesses or they can go there on their own. The guy we mentioned the other day, the guy that's going to go and be an engineering leader at Money Supermarket, he he is someone that's already looking after a team of people in his business three and a half years on and is going to have similar responsibilities when he lands at, at Money Supermarket. So do you know what I mean? It's like the longer you wait as a business to implement a really robust and really well thought out junior hiring strategy, the more expensive it is going to be for you in the long term. The more wages you'll have to pay to those mids and seniors to do the work that juniors could do, right? And so uh, I don't know the answer to your question. I, th- I think it's prejudice. I think it's, oh, they've got to be doing this, this and this, or they've got to have this many years in industry or whatever. I wouldn't understand why more businesses aren't doing this and having that strategy. And it sounds, you know, like I've written it down actually, and you said a junior hiring strategy, something I've not heard someone say before. And I think it's really interesting that getting that blend and that pathway designed, like it's going to be difficult in the beginning because you, as you say, you don't have enough seniors and you haven't got new people coming in, but not having a plan for that means you're always going to be in that, you know, top left quadrant of urgent and, um, you know, important and not really being able to deal with, so you're always you're always firefighting. And I think, you know, you, you're always going to have to hire mid and senior people. It's not like you're going to be able to grow them all. That doesn't make sense. But it's it's part of a, a more coherent strategy 
for the long term is to, you know, think who's going to be running this application five years from now? Is it the people we've hired today or is it, you know, or will they have moved on? And I think, and I think the key to that is that there's an, there's, there's an added kind of benefit to all of this is that when you are hiring your middle senior person, you have to find that person might take two to three months to find that person, get that person to say yes, because they'll be being offered left, right and centre. And then you'll have to wait three months for them to work their notice because the other business isn't going to just let them go because they need to replace them, right? So you're looking at something that could last, could take six months. Or you could hire a team of juniors, two or three on the salary that you put in out, and get them working on the problem. Yes, they're not going to work as fast. But you also don't know that person that's taken six months to hire, whether they're culturally going to fit anyway, or if they're as good as they say they are. They might have just bounced around jobs and got better job titles but they might not actually be able to do the work you just don't know the the step into the unknown of doing something like that is expensive in more ways than one right? i don't just mean recruitment fees or salaries i mean just you know there are ways in which you just the unknown of whether that's going to work out and the amount of time it's taken you could have see if you hire four juniors or six juniors and only two of them work out or three of them work out that not the case, but, you know, the worst case scenario, you've still got people there quicker doing work for you for six months before that person's even made it through the door. For me, it's obvious, but then I talk about this stuff all the time and I see it with lots of different businesses and I see the success on the other side. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already converted, right? But hopefully hopefully, I can convert a few more people by by them listening to, to this podcast. Cool. Well, believe it or not, that's our time up. So um, what we would always like to ask at the end of these podcasts, what piece of advice would you offer to someone who wants to either enroll into a tech boot camp or should we flip it and, and maybe say take on a recently graduated boot camper? I'll do both. Um, I was on the phone this weekend and it's, and it's bizarre. Actually, I don't know that many people that have done the boot camp. At North Carolina, I've probably got one friend. But anyway, I was on the phone to my friend's daughter this weekend, who's a primary school teacher, who really wants to do this. She's done like a little taster course, and she's like, I really want to do this. I can't give up my job um, at this moment in time. And I'm like, look, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, and I hate taking people out of education, but I don't want to stop people if they're already on their journey, right, is you're going to enter an industry which requires problem solvers. And as you said, John, there's lots of different lots of different things you can do within tech. But if you like solving problems, if you like kind of think what underpins an app, you know, things, I, I, I generally end up talking about Uber when I'm trying to tell people about, you know, what an app looks like. So think about pressing that button, think about getting that journey from, from A to B quicker. Think about how the receipt process could work out. All of those things. If you're already thinking about that when you're using the app, then you're already kind of a problem solver, which is what this industry needs. So if you want to be in a career that's exciting and that's solving problems, then that is a reason to come and do uh, a boot camp, come and get into tech. And from the hiring perspective, I know we've got so many success stories over the years that I know that any anyone from tight acquisition listening to this will have a lot of success hiring people from North Coders. Whether, as I said, you're Barclays Bank or whether you're, you're you know, a startup. Um, I guess AeroCloud Systems is, is a company I talk about a lot. They they were two people. The first tech person they hired was from North Coders. They had a CTO and a, and a business person. And now 
they're a team of about 25 people. They've got their software in airports across the globe. They've raised money and raised again and raised again. And they're a great success story. And I love the fact that people who have done our course have written code that helps people navigate through airports in I think I saw on LinkedIn in 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 Barbados or in you know across America and stuff. And that that to me is exciting that we've helped those that those people write the code for that company that that, that are doing things. But if you're a someone who wants to get in tech and kind of wants to have that kind of level of influence, then then do it. So I guess I've answered both of those really in a roundabout way. That's that's really great. Love it. And I thought, you know, I thought I was the only one who had the affliction of looking at apps and thinking, why is this so terrible? How could I make it better? But it sounds like it's a, something that afflicts a lot of people. And maybe if you are thinking like that, you need to get get down to your local boot camp. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Amol, for coming on the show. Really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, before before we do sign off, I just want to do a quick shout out to Matty Cost, who uh, actually has been on our podcast uh, right at the beginning. And he now runs his own own podcast called Cybertrack, which I listened to. They're lovely little six minute sound bites. Um, he took about a two year hiatus and they're back on again. I recommend you listen to him. Lots of sort of thought, mind experiments there. Lots of uh, things to amuse on. So have a listen to Matty Koss's Cybertrack. Uh, thank you very much, Jamal, again. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, anyone, then please do so via LinkedIn. Uh, Zach and I are both on there. We also have a page and we have a website, northwestify.co.uk. Uh, jump on there, uh, send us a message and we'll back in touch with you. Thank you very much. Bye.